What does 2017 have in store for us at Christ Church? What does 2017 have in store for us at Christ Church? 2016, what a year. So much change in my life, so much change in my family's life, so much change in our life as a church family, so much in 2016, so much. In fact, you'll notice today I did not have the gospel memorized. I will do that through 2016, through 2017, fear not, but you know, one of the changes of 2016 that I'll be honest with you was a real distraction for me over Christmas break is when I told y'all that on Christmas Eve I was going to jump in my pool at the end of that night just to sort of thumb my nose at my friends back in Canada and say, what does everyone else do on Christmas Eve? You know, that became kind of an addictive thing through the week. I kept jumping back in the pool. My kids kept getting back in the pool. All week long we're in the pool, these crazy polar bear-blooded Canadians in the pool because we can be in the pool here. So the time that I should have been spent memorizing the gospel, I was in the pool. I will repent of the pool this week. You'll have a memorized gospel next week. But what a year. What a year 2016 has been. But what will 2017 have in store for us? There's many things that we can look forward to. I'm looking forward to an event in six weeks from now on the 12th of February called CAST. You're going to be hearing more about it. Uh, An opportunity to cast a vision, to talk about where we begin feeling the Lord leading us in this year ahead and the years ahead. There's so much to talk about. But here's the one thing I can tell you for sure that's going to happen in 2017. And I can say with all certainty, in 2017, people are going to get drawn to Jesus. In 2017, people are going to get drawn to Jesus. I can say with all certainty, because we see it in this text. We see it in this epiphany text. It's a familiar text, Matthew 2. We know it. Maybe we know it a little too well. The three kings, call them wise men, call them magi. That's the word in the Greek. But we know the story so well of these three kings and their treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And yet we can miss how shocking a story this is. How shocking a story this is about the magnetic drawing power that Jesus has on his whole creation. This story tells us why we can with certainty say that in 2017, just like in every year previous, people will be drawn to Jesus. Now Matthew, the tax collector himself, knows about this magnetic drawing power of Jesus. He, he knows how magnetic Jesus is on the average, everyday human life. Because in Matthew's own gospel, in chapter 9, he gives a little autobiographical moment. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, we read this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. Matthew got up from his tax booth. Jesus walked by and said, follow me. 
and he got up and followed. I mean, that is magnetism. That is drawing power. Matthew knows that story in his own personal life. And so as he pens this account of the Magi coming, he knows the drawing power that Jesus has. You see, this Magi story from Matthew chapter 2, these three Magi from the East, this story is about surprise. And the reason we know it's a story of surprise is two times Matthew uses my second favorite Greek word. My favorite Greek word is what we translate in English as therefore. You've heard this several times. You'll hear it many more times. Next 31 years, you've got lots of time to hear therefore talked about. But this, my second favorite word is the Greek word edu, which translates as behold. Behold is such a great word. We don't use it in our common English language much. It would sound funny if I said, behold the musicians or behold the church. But it, it's meant to grab attention. The word literally means look. It means pay attention. It means sit up and notice this. Look, behold. It's a surprise word. And twice, I've got a poinsettia loving me here. And twice... Twice, Matthew uses the word behold. Verse 1, he says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So the first surprise is that magi are there. Behold, magi. Now why is Matthew so surprised? Well, these magi were astrologers, They were scientists from the East. They were truly wise men, learned men of their day. The surprise is that these men, in verse 2, say, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? See, these magi are from the East. They're pagans. They're Gentiles. They're learned pagans and Gentiles. And yet here they are looking for the king of the Jews. The reason Matthew's so surprised is he's begun his gospel. If you flip one page back to Matthew chapter 1, he begins his gospel in chapter 1 with this long genealogy. I don't know about you, but the first day of the new year is often, for many people I know, uh, all about, all right, I'm going to get back into my Bible reading plan, and I'm going to go to the gym this year, right? Um, So Bible bookstores and gym memberships make lots of money this first week of January. But if you've got a Bible reading plan, maybe I'm just actually talking about what I'm going to do this year, but if you're looking at a Bible reading plan that starts you in Matthew, um, right at the beginning of the New Testament, I mean, you're going to hit for the first 17 verses a genealogy. And you might say, wow, this is not a good Bible reading plan. I'm stuck in this genealogy. But here's the point of the genealogy. The genealogy, as Matthew begins his gospel, is trying to say, Jesus is Jewish. I mean, it's really clear. Jesus is Jewish. He is the son of Abraham. He's in the house of David. He's as Jewish as you can get. The baby that gets born in chapter 1 is clearly Jewish. So the surprise in chapter 2, behold, pagan, Gentile, magi looking for the king of the Jews. 
It's a surprise. What are they doing here? Well, something happened in the sky. Something happened that we don't really know the details of. They say we saw his star at its rising. We don't know if that meant it was a new star or if it was an existing star doing something weird. But here's what we do know. That they were drawn to the baby. Matthew doesn't put a lot of details in about the star. I think for this reason, his point is they were drawn to Jesus. They saw something in the sky that made them say, we have got to literally go from one end of the known earth to the other to find this child. Where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? They're drawn because the baby is magnetic. The baby is drawing them. Gentiles, learned Gentiles, drawn to this baby. Now that's magnetism. That's a draw. But there's even more magnetism going on when we look at the second behold. Behold magi, but then verse 9, behold the star. After listening to the king, they went their way, and behold The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Now, you may ask yourself, why all the excitement about the star? Why does it earn the behold in front of it? Behold the star. I mean, I've got to trash a certain misconception we've got about the star's journey. Will you forgive me? I'm not ruining a Christmas carol. Well, maybe I am. But here's the problem. When we sing, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. What are we really saying? The carol is telling us that here's what happened. According to tradition, these wise men, these magi, saw a star in the east And they said, okay, this is an interesting star. And then here's what's interesting about it. According to the carol, the star starts moving west. And so they, like following a first century GPS, follow it west. And then it gets to Jerusalem. And the tradition says, oh, now it starts heading south. And so they start heading south. They're heading south with the star. GPS moving them. But that's not what the text says. And that doesn't explain the word behold. So here's what the text tells us. In verse 2, they saw the star in the east. In verse 7, Herod asks them about the star. In other words, Herod doesn't know anything about the star. It's not like all of Jerusalem has been watching this GPS event. He says, tell me about this star. The star is not with them. But then something miraculous happens. The text is telling us that in the east, they discerned, they deduced, from this star, that they should go to Jerusalem. And so they go to Jerusalem. We're looking for the king of the Jews. Naturally, where do you go to look for the king of the Jews? Jerusalem. That's why they go there. Not because of a first century GPS. And then when they're in Jerusalem, they ask around, where do we find him? The star is not doing its GPS work clearly. They've got to ask. And they say, in scripture we know that he's going to be born in Bethlehem in the south. 
And so now they've deduced from scripture, not a GPS star, they've deduced from scripture they need to travel south, and they travel south, going to Bethlehem, led by scripture, not led by GPS stars. I'm kind of making my point again, I know. But then something amazing happens. Here's the behold. Behold, verse 9 says. Behold, the star that they had seen at its rising went before them and rested over the place where the child was. In other words, the behold in that moment is that they left the star in the east. They'd seen that star. It was a great star. It got them to go to Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, on their way down to Bethlehem, the star appeared. The star was there. The star moved. The star was supernaturally now with them in the southwest that they had left in the east. That's why they behold is there. They're so amazed that this star is coming along for the journey. The star is about to come with them into Bethlehem. The star moved. You want to say, come on. Come on. The star moved. It's ridiculous. It's silly. Stars don't move. Why would the star be there? Well, the star is being drawn. The star, like the Magi, is being drawn to the baby. It's a picture, it's a symbol for us to say, look, it's not just Gentile Magi's who are drawn to this baby. It's the whole of creation that is drawn to this baby. Is that not what Romans 8 says? When Paul says the whole creation groans for its redemption? That the whole creation that was made into a place of futility because of our sin is yearning. Can you hear the gospel? Creation itself is yearning for its redemption. The star is coming because it's drawn to its maker. Now, if you think this is crazy, I mean, this is really about worldview, isn't it? I mean, if the gospel is true, if the good news of God and Jesus Christ is true, then this story is not impossible at all. I mean, if God has actually come in the flesh, if the God who set the stars in their places has come in the flesh into his own creation, does not the creation show up in adoration? It really is a worldview question. It's about saying, will we be able to see the world through the lenses of Scripture? Will we allow scripture to create a worldview for us where we suddenly see that the impossible, well, nothing is impossible with God. A number of years ago, I was lecturing, guest lecturing at Ottawa University. Uh, Some of you heard maybe part of this story before um, that I used to kickbox to stay in shape. I know it's been a few years. Um, And uh, the guy I would often kickbox with was an atheist Uh, And we had a lot of fun talking because, of course, I was a former atheist. But as I got to know him, I found out, here's the priest kickboxing with the atheist Bible studies scholar from the university. So he was a professor of biblical studies at the university, didn't believe a lick of this. 
right? And would tell his entire students through the entire semester that this was just an old document that's inconsistent, irrelevant, makes no sense. So after we were kickboxing for at least about a year and got to know each other, he finally said one day, he said, hey, maybe you should come over sometime to my class and give them the other side. Yes. <laughs> Anytime, I'll be there. And I showed up with his class, about 400 students, who he had drilled into them for a whole semester about how this was just nonsense. And I got to stand up and say, well, I actually believe that it's a true story. And I'll never forget one girl in the class, really quite perplexed look on her face. I mean, she was struggling with everything I said. And she said to me, um, she said, it, it, it's just a story. She's basically trying to say, I respect that this is, you know, important to you, but it, it, it's just a story. And she said, as a rational person, I was quite flattered, she still thought I was rational by this point, as a rational person, you can't really see the world this way. Like, it's just a story. You can't really see the world through this lens. And I said to her, and it was one of those moments where you're so glad that the Holy Spirit's promised that he will give you the words in those moments because you don't know what to say. And my only response was, led by the Holy Spirit, I said, if the story's true, if the story's true, as a rational person, I must begin to see the world this way. If the story is true, as a rational person, the only rational response, if this really happened, is me to start seeing the world through this lens, to allow my worldview to shift, to change the way I see the world in light of Scripture. It's like saying, I was blind, but now I see. When the creator of the universe comes into his creation, does not creation show up at his crib to worship. I mean, that's what Matthew 2 is inviting us to believe, that the star itself was drawn to Jesus. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? The magnetic quality of Jesus is not just that he's so magnetic that he draws pagan, brilliant, learned Gentiles to him, but that he draws stars to him. Friends, that baby is alive today. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated as the king of the cosmos. And he is as magnetic now as ever. You know, in his ministry, Jesus talked about his own magnetic pull, the pull he has on every human life. When he said, and I, John 12, 32, and I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And it's a double image. When he says when I'm lifted up, he means at once when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. And when I'm lifted up in my ascension, enthroned as the king of the cosmos, I will draw all people to myself. Magnetic. Draw. Magi are drawn. Behold. Behold, stars are drawn. What does 2017 have in store for us at Christ Church? The one thing I know is that people will be drawn to Jesus. Some 
maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time we'll seal the deal with Jesus. Some will be drawn closer, drawn deeper, drawn into a more committed discipleship. And do you know why Jesus is so magnetic, friends? Do you know why he's got such a draw on us? Because we need him that much. He's the only one that can give us what we need. He's the only one that can put us back together. He's the only one that can show us what real life looks like. One of my favorite scenes in The Passion of the Christ, I know I've quoted this before, I'll keep quoting it. My favorite scene in The Passion of the Christ is as he's walking, carrying, Jesus is walking, carrying his cross. And at one point he falls, one of the several stumbling moments when he falls. And when he falls, this one point, his mother runs up to him secretly to the side and he quotes Revelation chapter 22. And he says, see mother, I go to make all things new. I go with my cross to make all things new. That's why he's so magnetic. Because he's the only one that can make us new. I need to be made new. You need to be made new. The world needs to be made new. And so this baby born in Bethlehem draws the world to himself. It's got huge implications for our outreach and our evangelism, doesn't it? It's got huge implications for the way the church figures out how we're going to do this thing of mission and evangelism. Because if we believe that Jesus has this kind of drawing magnetic power, if we really believe that, that it's all him and his magnetism, then all of a sudden we're going to be less concerned with the how as we are concerned with the who. Churches run themselves into the ground when they become obsessed with the how. I want us to be obsessed with the who. I want Christ church to constantly be pointing to Jesus and his magnetism and say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to reach Plano and North Texas and the world? I don't know how. I got lots of ideas, don't worry. But I don't really know how. I don't know which one's going to be the right fit but we know the who, who is drawing all people to himself. Behold, he draws magis. Behold, he draws stars. Behold, he's drawing the world to himself. And so let us adore that one we find in that crib in Bethlehem. Let us point to him and focus on the who, not as much on the how. This this came so clear to me in the last month. You know, the last month as we've been going through our financial year end, and you've heard me several times gently and sometimes not so gently reminding the church, we've got a year end gap to meet, you know, and amazingly, I mean, through that time, I'll be honest, there were times when I got pretty obsessed with the how. There was times that I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be a better strategy, and I got to figure out how to do this, and there's there's this, and there's this, and maybe this approach, and I could read this book, and I could read that article, and go to this consultant, and I could figure out the how. But I realized again and again, I just kept butting up against it. It's not about the how. It's about the who. It's about Jesus drawing a people to himself, and Jesus putting on the hearts 
of his own people, that generosity, that love for the church, that love for the mission of the church, that it would be not the how that would help us reach our goal, it would be the who, Jesus putting it on the hearts of our people. And friends, last night at midnight, though a month ago we were $1.3 million away from reaching our year-end goal, we exceeded our goal last night. Because of who he is. Not because of how we did it. Because of who he is. He is the draw. He is the magnetism. What does 2017 have in store for us at Christ Church? People will be drawn to Jesus. What will it look like for you in 2017 to be drawn to Jesus? I mean, for some of you, maybe it's being drawn to Jesus really for the first time. That you're willing to say, maybe you've been coming for a while, you've been walking alongside, you've been, you've been kind of dating Jesus, but now you want to get married. You're ready to seal that deal and say, he's really drawing me to himself. I, yeah, I'm going to say yes. But maybe for many of us who've been walking with Jesus for a time, you, we need to ask ourselves, what does 2017 look like for me to be drawn closer to Jesus? What is that going to look like if I give in to that draw? Do you know how much frustration we spend in our lives fighting that pull? Do you know how much we drive ourselves crazy fighting against Jesus' magnetic pull on our lives? What will it look like this year to give in to that pull even more? Do you feel that magnetic pull of Jesus? Do you feel the draw? And I, when I'm lifted up, will draw all people to myself. Behold, he draws magi. Behold, he draws stars. Behold, he draws you and me more and more each day. Give in. Say yes. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.